My name is Rod Collins, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm going to be sharing with you from the scriptures from Joshua chapter 14. title of the message is Close the Gap. Close the Gap. And so let's pray, and then we'll open the scriptures. Father, thank you that we're here, and thank you that we can open the scriptures. God breathed, God ordained the divine outpourings, divine outbreathings of the Almighty. We pray that we'd hear God's voice through God's word things we need to hear, things we'd be glad for in eternity. So speak to us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Also, I want to welcome everybody that is here online uh, watching. Uh, we wish that you were here in person, but could we just welcome everybody online? So a lot of people like to watch online. Super awesome. Uh, so we're going to be talking about Joshua chapter 14. Uh, one of the things we do is we're encouraged by the public reading of the scriptures. So we're going to read the scriptures together. Then we're going to explain them, and then we're going to apply them. Then we come back next week, and we do that again. We keep doing that until Jesus returns, okay? So that's how we roll around here. So if you are able to stand to your feet, please stand to your feet. Joshua chapter 14, I'm going to be reading verse 7. You'll read verse 8 and 10 and 12. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report. So that day, Moses solemnly promised me, the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. I'm as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. And so in the book of Joshua, the children of Israel were delivered out of the bondage of Egypt. They were slaves for 40 years. Caleb was one of those slaves. So Caleb understood the abuse of being a slave for 40 years. His parents and his grandparents were, and beyond were slaves. That's the life that he knew. So they crossed over the Red Sea and the Jordan River, and then they began the conquest of the promised land, or for us, the promised life. And so then the land would be divided up. We're going to talk more about that. But we're going to unpack this. And again, the title of the message is Close the Gap. Close the Gap. So Numbers chapter 14, verse 24 says this. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. So Caleb desired this. He desired that he could be as close to God as he could possibly be. Uh, this is the best resolution I think that we could possibly make at the beginning of a new year is to close the gap spiritually in our relationship with God. See, if you look at the screen again, it says, follows me wholeheartedly. Six times in the scripture, this is repeated about Caleb. And so Caleb was all in. He was full on. He was a person before God that was always closing the gap. In other words, he was pursuing God with all of his life. Interestingly, the original word in Hebrew is a hunting term. Wholeheartedly is a hunting term. It speaks of the hunter pursuing the game. And to pursue the game and to get the game, he had to close the gap. There could be nothing between him and the game if he was to wholeheartedly go after the game there. And so he would totally close the gap here. So Caleb is saying that before God, I want to totally close the gap between me and God. 
So he's pursuing God. He's going after God. He's saying, I don't want any distance between me and the Almighty. I want to be wholehearted. And he's saying, God, I want to be as close to you as I can possibly be to you. I don't want to put any distance between me and you. I want to close the gap completely and live that way as a lifestyle. And so what does it mean to be wholehearted then? It means that you are a person who's always closing the gap between you and God, not letting there be distance. And you know what I'm talking about. You can be well-meaning, you can be sincere, you can be well-intentioned, but yet, you know, there's just life happens, you get distracted, and you get busy, and there are gaps, and God can seem distant sometimes. Well, a wholehearted person is always wanting to close that gap. It's what I want for me. It's what I want for you. It's what I want for my family. So the wholehearted Caleb would say, all that is within me is pursuing all that you are. I'm coming after you, God. I'm chasing you. Every fiber of my being, everything that's within me, every ounce, every inch of my being, I'm coming after you. And when you determine to do this, what happens is, is that the blessing of God will follow that. So there is a cause and an effect, whether you do it or you don't do it. So it makes a massive difference in your life, makes a massive difference uh, in your experience with God experiencing God's purpose and God's presence uh, and God working in your life, whether or not you decide to be one who closes the gap. Numbers chapter 14, verse 24 concludes this way. I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Now I want us to notice that. Look at that. Not only does it affect him, Caleb, but his descendants. You need to see this. And we need not miss this here because I want to introduce you to something here. I want you to notice something that how you live your life in closing the gap following God is going to affect you and the people around you. Will affect generations. So what you and I do today, serving God, loving God, living for God, has a ripple effect. A ripple effect generationally. A ripple effect by your circle of people that you influence. And so... If you're closing the gap, it'll affect your family. It'll affect your kids. See, what you're doing, what we're talking about essentially is you are leaving a legacy. The descendants are impacted by the legacy here. And so uh, you are setting the table, not only for the work of God in your life, closing the gap, but the work of God in the lives of the people around us. You essentially are charting a new course. You're downloading a course for them. So not just for our lives, but the lives of all those that would follow us. So what is at stake here when we're talking about closing the gap is not just your life, but your children's life, your grandchildren's, your great-grandchildren's. Generationally, it will ripple through time. Numbers chapter 32, verse 11 says this. Watch. Because they've not followed me wholeheartedly. Now, is there, is there an impact of that? Because there's, a, there's an impact, watch. Not one of those who are 20 years old or more, when they came up out of Egypt, will see the land promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So there it is. Because they've not, the descendants won't see the land. See how important this is? Because there, there's a direct cause and effect that works for you or against you. And so because they did not pursue God, because they did not close the gap, because they were careless 
in their relationship with the Almighty. Because they did not value God enough to live a lifestyle of closing the gap. Because they did not say, I'm going to get as close to God as I can, I can get to him. Things could have turned out differently for future generations. But they didn't. So none of them inherited God's blessing. It's incredibly powerful to get our minds and hearts around this. Then verse 12. Not one except, oh, here it is. Here's the exception. And what makes the exception? Because Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they, what, what did they do that they others didn't do? They followed God, the Lord, wholeheartedly. See, everything hinges on this. Everything hinges on closing the gap and pursuing God, going after God, and saying, I'm going to be as close to God as I can get in 2023. And I'm going to go after God with all that I am. I'm going to get as close to him as I can get. And the result of closing the gap we just saw there is that God's blessing would be dispensed in an exceptional way. If you don't close the gap, if you don't pursue God like we're talking about, like the word means to close that gap, no blessing for future generations. And so this is part of the blessing of being wholehearted. And so God's blessing will touch your life and the lives of others here. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 35. I'm just, I'm just unpacking uh, the principle here. Not one man from this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to your ancestors, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and he will see it. And I will give him and his descendants, there it is again, the impact on your descendants. Okay, on the land. Why? That he said his feet on. Here it is. Because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. See, it's replete throughout Scripture, the point here, being driven home so we don't miss it. Not just in Joshua, but in much of the canon of Scripture. Because he cared about God more than he cared about anything else in life. See, so he could get to the land, but also his descendants would experience the blessing of the land. And this is part of the blessing and the value of building this into your life. The beginning of a new year, 2023, building into your life, I'm going to close the gap. I'm going to live that way. I'm going to pursue God. I'm not going to let anything develop between me and God. And so, and again, it only, not only touch your life, but the lives of those around you. And so the question is, are we here this morning wholehearted? So in the New Testament, Jesus would address this very thing. The church Churches of Asia Minor, Revelation chapter 2 and 3. He talked to one church in particular, the church of Laodicea. It's a real church, like this is a real church. And he spoke to the people. He's not speaking to the X-rated culture out there. He's talking to the church. And so the people in God's house, and here's what he says. He said, I wish that you were either hot or cold. There's an advantage of being cold. I wish you were either hot or cold. But if you're in the middle, the murky, lukewarm, half-hearted middle, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Pretty strong words by Jesus. And so, but watch. There's an advantage to being cold. We never think about that. Is that you know that you're not anywhere near God. Consequently, you're not fooling yourself in your relationship or lack thereof with God. You know that it's not happening. The problem when you're lukewarm, 
when you're half-hearted, when you're not wholehearted, when you're not closing the gap, here's the problem. You think you're okay with God, when in reality, you're not. And you're deceiving yourself. And just because you got a little devotion, little church, little God going on there, you think you're okay when you're not okay. So Jesus says, look, the advantage is, I love that you're hot for me, but if it can't be hot, I'd rather you be cold. Because at least you know that you and I is not happening. But when you're in the middle and it's just kind of a half-hearted deal, says that's a position that I just as soon spit you out of my mouth because you're not aware that you're not anywhere near God, but you think that you are. And so Joshua chapter 14, verse 6 now, unpacking this passage, says verse 6, a delegation from the tribe of Judah, community. We live life in community. There it is. God wants you to be in community. So led by Caleb, son of Jephna, the Kenanzite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Joshua said to, Caleb said to Joshua, remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, he was always called that, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report. That's referring to the 12 spies who went into the promised land and 10 of them came back with a negative report. Joshua and Caleb were like, dude, we can take the land. Let's go for it. But then the other ones that ruled the day had a negative report. We're going to talk about that. Verse four, chapter 14, verse 8. But for my part, watch, here's my life. I did what? I wholeheartedly followed the Lord. There it is again. I closed the gap in my life. And so verse 9, he said, look, he's saying, I've been pursuing God like this all of my life. I closed the gap. It is who I am. It's how I live. It's how I roll. It's my posture in life. It's the most important thing I do. Verse 9. So that day Moses solemnly promised me, promised me, the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever. How long? See the impact? of your closing the gap, forever there's blessing upon the descendants. Again, what we see here? Because what? Because, here's the cause and effect, you wholeheartedly follow the Lord my God. Now, as you can see, verse 10, the Lord has kept me alive and well, as he promised, for all these 45 years, okay, since then. So now we got the 40, we got the 45, 85. So now Caleb's 85 years old. Moses made this promise, even Israel wandered in the wilderness, Today, I'd like us to read that all together. The count of three. One, two, three. Today, I am 85 years old. He's not a spring chicken, right? Is he at the point in life where some people maybe kind of think about punching out a little bit? Come on, somebody. We can, we can talk. You can talk to me, okay? I'm giving you a green light. I'm empowering you to talk back to me. All right? So, 85 years old. Uh, he's kind of like 20 years post-retirement in most cultures, right? 20 years post-retirement, maybe 30 or 25, 30. So I want to talk about this here because I'd like to invite you to rethink retirement. I'm going to invite you to rethink it because I think what's happened is that there's cultural retirement, as we think of it in America, is so culturally central and steeped in culture that we don't ever stop to think like, well, what does God think about it? So we're going to talk about that. So if you're 65, you're 60, 55, we're going to have a little chit-chat, just me and you, 
or that, that uh, age group. And then I'm going to talk about the 40s and 50s. No one gets, gets a free card. And then I'm going to go with the 30s and 20s and below there. And so what I want us to see is this, is if you're in that 60, 65 and beyond, uh, you are people of experience. You've got a few miles on you, and you can feel those miles. And, and, uh, but there are younger generations beyond, uh, behind you that you have an opportunity. You have an amazing opportunity, an astounding opportunity to model for younger generations what it looks like to walk with God. And so, uh, and to live out a sense of, of a God-breathed mission in the season of your life. And I think for some of us, without realizing it, what has happened is this. You've bought in. You've bought into the cultural view of retirement without really necessarily filtering it through what God thinks. Because see, uh, retirement as we know it in America, it's not a biblical concept at all. You won't find it anywhere in Scripture. And I love that we're all here today, and I love that we're in church, and uh, and I hope that if you're new to church, you're going to see the tremendous opportunities uh, that you have as a, as, a, as a Christ follower if you were to become one. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, For we are his masterpiece, we're his workmanship. Uh, in the original language, we are poema, which our word poem comes from. We're a created work of God. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto what? Unto good works. God has good things for you to do. Okay, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Now think about this, that we should walk in them just in one season of life or of every season of life, in every season of life, that you should do these. So now no, just think about this. Uh, some people here are like, we've lived a good life. I've lived a good life. And, uh, but, but if you buy into the cultural view of retirement, you know what it means if you just look it up in the Webster's uh, dictionary. I'm going I'm to read to you. Okay, so here's what it means: uh, to give up work, to pack it in, to call it quits, to go away, to withdraw, to disengage. How many people want to live for that kind of a dream? Yeah, it's laughable. It is laughable. And so, uh, is it to have a goal like that in your life? Really, it's laughable at, at that stage of your life. And so, again, retirement is not a biblical concept here. It doesn't come from the mind of God. It doesn't come from the heart of God. It's not, uh, never originated with him. It's strictly cultural. It's a cultural concept. concept. And so I get it that seasons of life, we shift and we do different things. And maybe you don't have your, your employment job type thing. But that doesn't mean you're, you're punching out of, of living for God and what he's got you to do. And so, uh, and I think that one of the things that can cause people to punch out is the cultural concept of retirement. And so what we're going to see here this morning is that God has purpose for your life, for all of your life, like he did with Joshua and Caleb here. And the good that God wants to do through you wants to do all of your life in every season of your life. And so if you're 65 plus or 60, maybe 55, uh, there are opportunities for you. And I just want to talk about some like in our context like in this community right here, if you call this your home church, because I really believe that this is a season like none other, a season of mentoring, a season of being uh, someone that's available to speak into the lives of other generations, because why? If you're 50, 55, 60, you have a commodity 
that everybody else needs. And that commodity, the most important commodity of life, is what is experience. And you have that. Maybe you're gaining that here. And so I believe that you could mentor in a, in a context. It's like an adoptive community. I'm going to expound on that in just a moment. But uh, maybe in a Rooted group. We're going to fire up Rooted in March. We've had 500 graduates from Rooted. Uh, we're going to fire that up in March again. Maybe in a context of a 10-week discipleship experience. Some of you, you might be able to mentor others there. I see the 65-plus mentoring this generation. I also see 65-plus having an adoptive community and mindset toward the students, the young adults, and so on. Adoptive, by that I mean that they just adopt you, and uh, you adopt them there. And so because why? Fatherless generation, right? We live in a fatherless generation. So many people didn't grow up with a father figure. And it's not that they need to be reparented or whatever, but they need, though God ordained that there would be fathers and mothers in their lives and those type of figures in their lives. And so guys in this uh, age group, I'm just telling you, look, you could step into the role. Have you ever thought of it? You could step into the role. and You could be this type of a figure. Rather than just like dwelling in like this vague retirement world, you could do things with your life that are significant that would outlive you. And so you could have adoptive type father relationships. You don't have to get weird about it or anything like that. Just hang out with people and it just happens. It just happens. So I've been adopted myself multiple times, probably six times of people that I could tell you about. And I'm going to share one story about one that did. And so, uh, so you look at the heroes of the Bible. Would, they, would any of the stories that I'm going to tell you have happened if they had all retired? No, none of them. Not one of the stories would have happened. And so I expect everyone over 65 to have a sense of God's calling, a sense of God's mission in their life. And so to step out, to volunteer, to lead the way in volunteering. So we're going to re, as we rethink this here, uh, that there's no retirement, biblically speaking, we're going to look at the heroes of the Bible just real quick here and show how what God did in their life and when God began to use them. Beginning with Moses, prepared 40 years in the desert after he graduated from that school of the desert. The most important things he did in his life started when he was 80. Moses. Okay, we could throw Abraham in there. I'm just throw him in. Uh, uh, we could throw a Abraham in there. Joshua at 83 leads God's people into the promised land, 83. What if he checked out when he was 65? How about Caleb at 85? Uh, he started, he did the most important things in his life at 85. Really? So we want to retail, we want to pack it in, we want to withdraw, disengage, and call it quits. It's just not there in the scripture. So what if the heroes that we talk about are not just in the Bible, but are in the church? Like, are in this church? And I'm going to throw out uh, one here because, look, the heroes of Scripture would say this. Retirement? Like, like well, we don't know what you're talking about. I just told you some of their stories there. And look at the heroes of sanctuary. So Ron Williams is a hero of sanctuary. And so in his 80s, I actually, since I've known him, uh, he's been teaching about three Bible studies a week. I'm getting worn out of all the Bible studies that he's teaching, just thinking about it. No, but not only that, though, that he preaches here, preaches other places. He does man camps. 
We take the young, young guns as, a, as, a, as, a, as the man camp for young guns, for younger guys, 16, 17 to 25. He goes to young guns, and you know what? Uh, the first time that we went, we're getting ready to do paintball. We're getting the guns out and everything. He goes, should I do it? I go, heck yeah. We'll show the young guys how to do it, Ron. So he did paintball at 82, got lit up, blood all over him. Here's a picture. If you don't believe me, here's a picture of young guns right there. There are guns. Who's that guy right there? Caleb, right there with the gun, ready to light up the young guns. Friends, there's no, there's no retirement, friends. Come on. That, that's how I want to be when I'm 82 right there, okay? That's going to be Rod Collins in a, in a, down the road. So what's the key, though? The key to this whole thing here? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I forgot. Okay. So the 20s and 30s and 40s. Uh, for you, it's a season of success, a season of building, building families, building career, uh, building all the time there. It's kind of in the insane years a little bit. But I just want to download for you today that you still are a person who closes the gap. That never leaves you as you're building and all that. Because you'll look back with measures of regret if you don't live this way as a person who lives wholeheartedly before God. And then if you're in your 40s or 50s, uh, and it's a new season uh, from the previous one, I want to say this. It's not enough to just build a successful life. It's not enough to just raise kids well. It's not enough there. So what you want to do, you want to make a difference in your life and position yourself to make a difference in your life. God's working within you in the God-given mission that he's given you. So you want to be on track, too, of living that close the gap all out for God life. So the key, again, is he wholeheartedly followed the Lord. Now look at verse 11. Everybody look together. What's it say? 85? I'm a strong now what? That's when he was 40. How many people think he was strong? At 85, do you think he had the 40-year-old body? No. Do you think he had the 40-year-old mentality? Yes. I'm as strong now as I was when Moses sent me onto that journey that was, that was in, into the promised land. And I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. I like that attitude. I, I want to have that attitude, and I want us to have that kind of attitude. So watch this. Do you think that that was true? Biologically, do you think that was true? At 85, he's got a 40-year-old body. You think that was true? I, you know, we can have our thoughts. I kind of lean to it's just not true. I, I think, like, you got to lose something, you know? At 85, you lost something. Maybe you're fit and all that stuff, but you've lost something. But you know what is true? Caleb believed it was true. He believed it was true. And so and that's what's amazing here, because uh, you know that Caleb... Uh, how he lived from 40 to 85. You know how he lived? Battle ready. You see what he says there? He says, look, I, I can travel and I can fight, okay? Uh, just as good as I could then. But see, his mentality, his focus there. He says, I, I can still do it. Maybe not as skillfully as he did then. So what I want us to see is this. Is Caleb lives with purpose through every season of life. Through every season of life. No, he didn't retire. He didn't punch out here. And so this is what's so great about Caleb. At 85, this is what he's, this is what he's not saying. He's not, he doesn't come up to uh, Josh and say, you know what? Man, we had a good run, Josh. We had a good run together. That, that was awesome. 40 years, buddy. 
40 years, man, we crushed it. We did it. We did the wilderness thing. We did the Red Sea thing. Uh, man, man we, we had such a good run. We conquered the land. We were there when the land was divided there. And now, now what I want, we're picking out the land. That's what the chapters are about, uh, 13 and, and so. I know that we're, we're dividing the land again. Give me something in front of the nice, peaceful valley. I'll take a view there. Maybe the river running through it there. And I just want to, I don't want to fight any more battles. I just want to punch out there. I mean, I'm 85, Josh. I'm 85. Time to coast. He didn't say that. He said, I'm ready to take the land. I'm ready to take the giants in the land. I'm ready to get it on with them. So watch verse here. Watch me this verse 12. So give me the hill country. No checking out. Give me the hill country, that promised land. And you will remember him. Uh, uh, remember as scouts here, uh, we found the descendants of Anak. Who are those? Okay, those were, those were like the giants in the land that the 10 spies like, oh, we're, they're focused on what? On the giants in the walled cities, the fortified cities, unlike Caleb focused on God. So, uh, so he's here focused on that watch and living there in, a, in the great walled towns. But the Lord is with me. I will drive them out at 85 years old of the land, just as the Lord said. That's how you want to live. That's what I'm talking about. That's living with the closing the gap here. So we notice Joshua's focus. God is personal. He is with me. David say, said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. See, it's personal here. So he says, you are with me here. So God is not distant. God is not far. God is not disconnected or uncaring here. God is the God who cares for us and loves us. And so Joshua and Jacob's focus was on the, the greatness of God here. And they lived in light of the greatness of God. The 10 other spies ruled the day. Not so. What was their focus? Our, uh, the challenges, the problems, the giants in the land here. These are, these are ones that says, man, when we look at those giants, we're, we're just like grasshoppers in their sight here. Uh, we can't do war against them. We can't do war against the fortified cities. We're slaves. We're broken here. So now, hold that picture in your mind. Caleb, Joshua, focused on God, the greatness of God. The 10 spies focus on horizontally all the problems. Now think about you. If someone was to talk about you and step away from your life, somebody's looking at your life and viewing you, giving a perspective on you, what would they say? What about your focus? I mean, many of us here, we've gone through life. We've gone through experiences. Some of we've gone through painful experiences. Some, like the, like, uh, the children of Israel and like Caleb, was a slave. All he knew was ruthless pain, devastating, uh, being a slave there, painful, crushing weight of being under the thumb of the Pharaoh. And some of us, maybe that's like your story too. You've got a story here, but here's the point. Caleb did not let his past define him. Because what can happen is your past can define you for all of your life if you let it. So if, so if you let it define you like the 10 spies, living in fear, 
We're like little dinky grasshoppers. They're, they're exaggerating all because you're living in that space. Or you can choose to live like Caleb, who lived courageously. To close the gaps requires that you live courageously because it's going against the culture. Culture didn't want to close the gap with God. So, but they went through life experiences this way. Caleb said, yeah, but we have a good God, and he's greater than any of the experiences that we've had in life, greater than the slavery that we experienced. And so and God is with me, and God loves me, and God's going to watch over me. And so and he will bring me out of the pain and out of the ruthlessness of my, my 40 years as a slave. And let me say this in my own life. I'm going to talk about the speaker this morning. I know in my own life, when my main focus, and I'm just like you, I may be up here, but I'm just like you in nature. And so my main focus uh, becomes the problems in life and the challenges in life. Uh, they get big. Like the 10 spies, I become fearful. And God becomes smaller. But when I face problems and challenges, focusing on God like Joshua and Caleb and making him my focus and recognizing, recognizing you are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. When I live that way and not like, I'm not who other people said that I am. I'm not who the ex whoever said that I am. I am who you say that I am. I'm not forsaken. I'm forgiven. I'm chosen. When I live that way, it, it resets uh, my problems and challenges get right-sized. And so this is how you want to live. And so verse 13 says this. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave Hebron to him as a portion of his land. Hebron will be there in October. We will be here. Hebron is where modern-day Jerusalem is. I will be walking through Jerusalem in October. And so this is the most important land because it is Jerusalem today. But what's so amazing is Caleb is the only one that actually uh, fulfilled the promise uh, as, as a family. So Hebron still belongs, verse 14, to the descendants of Caleb. Again, there because why? Watch, watch, watch. Need I say it again? Close the gap. He wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. So there it is. You see the blessing. Uh, and this is the way that it's worded in the original Hebrew language. He follow, followed, fully, fully. Repeating those words for great emphasis. That he did it with every ounce uh, within his being to close the gap. And because of that, God blessed him. And there's tremendous blessing here for those who pursue God with all that is within them, who close the gap between them and God. Now, I realize that we, uh, we love him and we follow him because he first loved us. What about us here this morning? Where are you in closing the gap? So I conclude with the title of the message, Close the Gap in 2023 in your relationship with God.